It's time to talk BYU football. You're tuned in to the Coordinator's Corner, live from JCW's in Provo, giving you the inside scoop on BYU football from the coaches themselves, JCW's, the Burger Boys. To lead things off, let's head live to your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Sitting in for Greg Rebell, I am Spencer Linton. Welcome to Coordinator's Corner at JCW's, the weekly sit-down with not one but two BYU coordinators to discuss what happened in the most recent game, this being a 19-13 setback to the University of Utah, and to preview a showdown with top 10 ranked Wisconsin. Joining me off the top of the show, BYU Offensive Coordinator Ty Detmer. Two weeks in a row, you get me, Coach, so um, good luck with that. Yeah, likewise. (laughs) (laughs) I know that after a weekend of high emotions and close calls, and you, you review things time and time again, you know where where do you get to a point where you're like, okay, flip the page, let's let's move on and, and go get Wisconsin. Yeah, I think you know that's where we're at now. We have a, a walkthrough uh, after film review, and and that walkthrough is is clean up a little bit from the previous game, but more more so look ahead to Wisconsin and start getting ready for that. You know, you can't let these things linger and hang over you, and uh, you got to move on and and go play the next one. You know, um, the guys are obviously everybody's disappointed. We had had our chances, had our opportunities, and uh, just kind of let them slip through our hands. So. We've got to learn from those and uh, continue to gain that experience with some of the young guys that, you know, every play matters in those games, and, and uh, we got to take advantage of those opportunities when we get them. Let's attack this from a couple of angles. Uh, first and foremost, what was the most encouraging thing you saw from the BYU offense on Saturday night? Well, I think, you know, when we got into more of a hurry up, we kind of got a little life going. Uh, we scored off a turnover right down there, and uh, Ula got in the game and, and got going a little bit there. We saw the flashes of what we, we think we have on our hands there, so um, you'll see more of him as we go. And, uh, you know, there's still the fight, the efforts there. That's what I talked to the players about today was the efforts there. We're playing hard we got to be cleaner on the little things. And uh, the little things make a big difference against good teams, and we're still not sharp enough. We're not executing, and, and we're leaving plays out on the field that are that are there, and, and we got to make them when we get our chance. Okay, now on the other side of that, uh, and you've probably already touched on it a little bit, but the thing that is the hardest for you to deal with mentally as the offensive coordinator right now is what? Well, the most frustrating thing is when you go back and review the film and and we're not doing things like we're coached to do um, across the board. You know, it's not just one position. It's a guy on this play doing something. You know, we get the touchdown called back from a pass interference and, and that's not the way we do it in practice, but we get in the game and overdo it you know we're trying we're almost getting to a point now where we're trying too hard to do things on our own instead of just doing it like your coach to do it so um it it wasn't due to lack of effort or guy taking a playoff uh eleva just was trying to get talent open more than he needs to and uh and so you know when you see those things and and they're not doing them the way they're coached that's frustrating for a coach uh because you work on it and you work on it and you teach it and, and then it doesn't show up on film that's that's where you have the problem you brought up Ula Tolutau. Comes in, five carries, 25 yards, his first touchdown as a BYU football player. Kalani alludes after the game to, hey, I think we found our running back. What does that mean for the future? Well, it's a, it's another guy that's a, a different type of back. You know, when he came in, he's 
big. You see the safety slide over to make the tackle, and he really just goes at one knee. You know, he doesn't want to see 250 pounds running downhill at him. So it makes those safeties think a little bit when they come down into the box. And, uh, and you know, so he adds that piece to it. And, you know, he's still learning it and seeing it. There's, you know, a couple where he could have probably stayed play side a little more. But if he's going downhill, we're happy. You know, we want him attacking the defense and, and going downhill and uh, put his foot in the ground and, and have to make people tackling. Ideally, if he is the guy, how many carries is Ula Toluto getting a game? I don't know. It, it'll be week to week. You know, he's got to he's got to get himself in game shape a little more too. Now that he's healthy, um, you know, he's got to really be able to. to carry the ball 15 20 times a game and and uh i think that's that was a little bit of our sweet spot with jamal last year was 20 times a game um will he be that many i don't know but um if we're being successful and we're getting four to six yards of carry we need to keep giving it to him a little bit and uh and that takes the pressure off some of the past game and will help tanner out and and be able to you know uh, get a little more single coverage out there we saw a lot of a lot of zone uh, I just don't think they respected our run game early on and, and played us a lot more zone than we'd seen on film. BYU Offensive Coordinator Ty Detmer with us on Coordinator's Corner. You can join us on social media using the hashtag CCBYU. Tweet in your questions. We'll get to some of those. He is uh, our guest for the first half an hour. We will also welcome in Ed Lamb for the back half of the show. Again, bevy of ways to join us. BYU Football Facebook page, BYU Radio right now, and, of course, ESPN 960 locally. Coach, let's talk about Tanner Mangum and uh, what he has done now through three starts in his junior season where are you seeing him make the biggest steps in the right direction? I think, you know, we're, we're as coaches starting to figure out how much we can give him. And, and you know, we, we tag a little bit. And, and uh, sometimes that gets confusing for a quarterback. Because now where am I supposed to look and where what are my reads? And so I think he's getting more comfortable that way. There, there's still some of it that we got to stick with. And, uh, you know, we, we talked to him before the game, just go play. We want you out there you know being yourself and and if you're not sure about something you know move around a little bit make a play and you see the touchdown he threw to trade eye was was kind of that type of deal not you don't have to just throw it on time every time um you know you're a guy that can make some plays so he did that um moved around had a couple unlucky interceptions where his arm gets hit and then another one's batted right to a, a d lineman so um the one he forced but other than that i thought you know he was he was making better decisions, and, and we still can get cleaner. There's still some things out there that, that happen, and, and uh, you look back on film like, ah, you know, we need to stay with the read there. Uh, so there's that balance between taking off and moving and making a play and knowing when when to do that and when to kind of hang in there and go through your progression a little more and stick with it. So it's getting better that way and uh, starting to, I think, get a better feel for when to do those things. But it takes game time for that to happen, you know. Did you ever find in your career a situation where things just were not going as well as you initially thought they might and you know i'm I'm trying to reference what you have experienced compared to what tanner mangum is going through right now if so what where do you draw and compare and contrast in that yeah i think uh, my senior year we were zero and three we'd lost a lot of guys my junior year so we were young and experienced at at a lot of the skill spots and uh 
you know, we played Florida State, Penn State, and UCLA, and uh, we weren't moving the ball well. We, I mean, it was my third year being a starter, so I was experienced, and we still were struggling, and guys just, you know, missing, running the wrong route here or there, and, and uh, you know, we weren't clean. We weren't executing great, so... Uh, I've been there where where that's happened, and as a quarterback, you try to minimize the mistakes around you and not let their mistakes become yours, and and control the things you can. So got a little more conservative um, that year through through a lot less picks because I knew <laughs> I knew we couldn't overcome them as as quickly as we had the year before having a, a veteran team and and guys that we felt real comfortable with. All right, hashtag CCBYU. We're going to take our first break on Coordinator's Corner with the Heisman Trophy winner and BYU Offensive Coordinator Ty Detmer. We'll get into the mentality of Tanner Mangum moving forward to Wisconsin and how BYU matches up against the Badgers. Coming back with more from JCW's Home of the Burger Boys in Provo, Utah. This is Coordinator's Corner. You're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Sitting in for Greg Rubel, I am Spencer Linton. This is Coordinator's Corner, live from JCW's, the Burger Boys, here with Ty Detmer, BYU Offensive Coordinator. Coach, the mentality of a guy like Tanner Mangum, who was thrust into the spotlight a couple of years ago, became the miracle worker at Nebraska and against Boise State. Now in a different offense, different scheme, being asked to do different things. And understandably, his confidence is probably a little bit shaken because of what has happened. So what what have, what have are your interactions been like with him over the past few days? Uh, they've been really good. You know, I actually, you know, we've gone back and looked at film from that year and, okay, what was he good at? What, you know, was he making plays? And, and some of it was, you know, he was throwing it up to six five receivers yeah we don't have a lot of right now you know? <laughs> um and and some of it you know was just keeping it really simple for him where he could go one two so we've tried to tried to look at some of those things and, and give him opportunities but you know at the same time we gotta feel like we still need to do things to attack a defense and get our helper guys get open a little bit so um it's that fine balance between what he feels really comfortable with and so we go through the game plan every week and make sure he's comfortable with those plays and those reads and and uh then you know guys around him got to play i mean we've got talon shumway running down the sideline for a touchdown and the back goes the wrong way on protection and he gets hit as he's throwing it and and uh so there's you know there's some of those where it's not just the quarterback it's yeah. it's a guy on this play a guy on this play and and uh, we just got to do a better job of coaching them up as coaches and make sure each position is getting the same information and that we're, we're really tight on it all. And, and you know, we've got good coaches. It's a matter of the players got to, when they're not in for that rep, they got to pay attention in the back and make sure they're getting the mental rep because they may be in the game at that point. And I think guys are starting to understand that and seeing it. And um, But Tanner, you know, he's he's always an upbeat, positive kid and, and – uh, you know he's confident in himself and you know when you watch the film he understands you know where he could have been better and then he understands where he did as he was coached to do and and made some plays for us as well how much of the offensive and i'm going to use this term loosely struggles or issues whatever you want to throw in there how much of that is uh, kind of a result of playing against really good defenses, LSU and Utah. Those are really good, you know, defenders, good good defenses, you know, as good as we'll see all year. So um, we're having to 
to learn and with our inexperience at receiver and, and running back uh, we're having to learn on the fly against a great competition and and then you know they they throw something at us that we haven't seen and, and we miss it and the next time you know those are the ones where you want to see okay the next time we got it we learn from it and we'll be better for it you know but unfortunately you're taking those lumps right now um, as an offense to to try to you know be better later but you, you need it happening right now, especially against the, the type of teams we play early in the season, being an independent. No. What kind of development are you hoping for from the guys that are behind Tanner Mangum, Bo Hodge and Coy Detmer? Like, where, where do you want them at this point in the season? You want them, you know, learning from, from uh, what's happening on film, whether it's a great play or a mistake. You want them seeing it and getting those mental reps so that when they go in, they don't have to go through some of those same learning curves as uh, – as Tanner is right now with some of it. So um, that's that's what you want. You know, they're not getting a ton of reps. Bo gets a few here and there. Uh, but they're not getting a ton in order to, to be ready and go play maybe at the same level as a starter is, you know. So um, it's just mentally being with it and understanding what's expected. They're on the headset during the game, so they're hearing coaching points. They're hearing our comments. And, and uh, I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is that, is that a good thing time. that they're on headset? I think it is, just so they hear it and they know the expectations. But, uh, you know, at the same time, they're they're hearing it all, you know. So all the emotions of a game and everything. And and uh, they're probably sitting there going, man, what are they saying when I play? Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's good for them to hear it and to, to understand it and see what's going on during the game. Now, Tanner limped off the field a little bit on that last play when he was trying to meet uh, reach Matt Bushman on that fourth down uh, is, is he okay everything okay with him yeah, right I, now I think so I, I know he was in getting some treatment uh, Sunday but I think uh, it was he got rolled up on a little bit there trying to keep a, keep the play alive and got twisted up a little but uh, as far as I know right now everything's ready to go okay Wisconsin on the way. How different is Wisconsin's defense from LSU and Utah? Uh, they'll be similar. I mean, they're a top-10 team. So they've, they've always been a team that's run the ball, time of possession, and then play good defense. And uh, they're no different this year. You know, that's that's what they hang their hat on. They're high-effort guys. That, that uh, They've got speed in certain areas that you really got to pay attention to. Their backers play fast and and uh you know it's going to be another tough test they're going to come down and press us outside and play man coverage and then uh get the safeties involved in the run game so it's real similar to what we saw against uh portland state against um lsu with uh with the man and then the three four type of defense and and then utah was a little four a little more four two but played us a little more zone than we uh than we've been seeing them play so We've got a good dose of everything right now from everybody, and uh, you go into the game, just take your best stuff, and and then we got to be able to react and adjust to what we're seeing. If you could script out the perfect scenario for BYU on Saturday, obviously you want to win the game, but if if you could have the pace of play be dictated the way you want it, how, how would you have that game go? You know, um, I don't know. It's every game's a little different, you know. Where if they're holding on to the ball and our defense has to go 
you know, defend a, a long 14, 15 play drive and, and they're out of gas, we don't want to go out there and, and then just turn it right back over to them and put them on the field again unless we score quick. Um, so if we score quick, I'm okay with that. But uh, at the same time, you got to manage the game a little bit and keep your guys fresh. And, and so, you know, it, I think, you know, overall, it'll probably be a little shorter game time-wise because they do play that way as well, and they huddle and, and do all the, the things we do. But, um, you know, we'd, we'd like to be able to get a little tempo. They're going to be in the altitude and try to get them having to breathe a little bit and, and uh, press the tempo maybe a little bit like we did against Utah the second half. All right, we'll take another break here from JCW's in Provo. More of your questions for the coordinators, specifically Ty Detmer, the man in charge of the BYU offense, coming up. This is Coordinator's Corner. You're watching it from JCW's in Provo, Utah. Live from JCW's in Provo, this is the Coordinator's Corner on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Back in Provo, Utah, JCW's. This is Coordinator's Corner. We are talking with Ty Detmer, man in charge of the BYU offense, following a 19-13 loss to Utah. BYU hosting 10th-ranked Wisconsin this Saturday, a game on ABC National. There is an interesting dynamic happening early in the season because while you're disappointed about losing to LSU, then it was Utah, so immediately back up. And lost to Utah, yeah, that hurts on Sunday, but now it's 10th-ranked Wisconsin. Do you like that? Do you, would you rather play a team of that caliber and, and in that spotlight after a disappointing loss? I think you do. I think you want to get back and, and have your opportunity to, to kind of right the ship and, and uh, prove you can play with everybody. I mean, you know, it's it's not something where I think for the players it helps them kind of get that mind back right again that we got to go or this, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, ugly if we don't get ourselves back ready to play again here quickly. So, you know, by tomorrow they got to be ready to go and amped up and have energy at practice and and uh, have that mindset that, you know, that one's behind us. There's nothing we can do about it now. we got to go forward, and, and it's what we do from here that matters. Use the hashtag CCBYU. I'm a little nervous to go here because last week Jerem Jordan asked if he could call a play on your headset in your voice. Like that, that, that happened last week. So we won't, we won't bust that question out again. But uh, there is a question uh, that comes in uh, from Chris on Twitter asking, what, what's the most difficult part about making a, a significant roster change, like at running back or at wide receiver or tight end or whatever? What, what's the hardest part about that? Well, I think uh... – you know, it's the human side of it comes into play where you see guys that are working and, and uh, you know, you, you feel bad for a guy that maybe you, now you got to tell him, hey, you're not going to be as big a part of the package for us. You know, we're going with someone else. That's always hard as a coach, but you have to do what's best for the team and for the program and what you feel is right to, to help the other guys be successful as well. So, um, you know, th- those aren't fun conversations to have with an individual that if you're going to, you know, go with another direction with another player. But um, that's that's part of what you have to do. But you always, you know, have that, that human side of it, too, that you, you don't like having those conversations. So... The word gamer gets brought up uh, by in the fan base, by coaches, players, and I have seen gamer next to Matt Bushman a lot. How would you assess the play of your tight end, Matt Bushman, as a freshman? 
Yeah, Matt's Matt's been great. You know, we saw it in the spring. Kind of felt like we knew what we had, and uh, he hasn't disappointed. You know, there's there's still things that he's learning and improving. You know, how to release second level backers and, and navigate. You know that stuff, but. Um, his blocking, you know, he's constant working on that. Um, but he's been, a, you know, everything we'd, we'd hoped he would be. And, uh, you know, I don't think he's dropped a ball. He's caught everything. And and uh, he's a tough matchup on backers and safety. So, you know, you'll continue to see him be a big part of the pass game. Um, and, you know, now we got to get him just a little more physical in the run game and be the total package. But he's close, you know, and, and he works at it, and he's real conscientious and, uh, great young man. What are the feelings and the emotions like in the coach's room right now? Take uh, us inside of it, if yeah. you can, that is. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, after a game like that, you're you're down. You're, it's tough. You know, you put a lot of time and energy into putting a game plan together and, and trying to get it right. And, and, you know, then with the emotions of a game, it's it's hard to to get over that sometimes. But as coaches, that's what you have to do. You know, you got to go put on the – the face for the for the team and the players again on uh, Monday and, and let them know, you know, look, nobody's quitting here. Nobody's shutting it down. We're going to go play, and we're going to continue to try to coach you guys to be better, and that's our job is to coach them up. And if John Gruden always said what you see on film is what you coach, and so right now, um, you know, we're not – very good coaches on the offensive side because we're not scoring enough points and and uh, that's on us to make sure that that they're right and so um, you know the coaches are focused we we talk all the time and and our constant communication how can we help guys do we simplify the game plan do we give them more you know what do we do and uh and so you know that's that's the thought process all the time in the offensive staff room i love that you brought up john gruden i just keep hearing that's awesome man <laughs> i like that ty dimmer that guy that's a byu legend man yeah he's uh he was a character you know so he hadn't changed a bit this tweeting from at ryan lewis cooper uh who noticed jonah trenneman is crazy fast four touches in three games what needs to be done to get him the ball more well, you know, guys are out there, and, uh, you know, we're trying to create opportunities for them, and, and uh, each guy has a little bit different skill set. You know, there's some things that, you know, he can continue to work on. There's other things that we feel like he does a good job of, and and sometimes the, the game dictates otherwise for who gets the targets and who doesn't, you know. So as you rotate guys in, Micah Simon needs to play more, you know, Bo Tanner's there and, and Jonah, and, and we're trying to – find you know all these combinations um and so you know everybody feels like everybody needs to play more and touch the ball more and we as coaches are like okay well what do we do to get this guy the ball where he can be successful and and we've handed it to him we've thrown it to him he's on the kick return team and and so you know sometimes it's just dictated by the coverage um that you're seeing that that he's not you know the, the primary target on some things um but you know, we, we're trying to maximize. If, if we've got a guy that we feel like is really the guy, we're going to utilize that. And so we're, we're trying to, to find that guy and somebody to step up and make some plays that tell us we need to get you the ball more. We need to get you 15 to 20 touches a game and, and you be that guy. And uh, right now, you know, it's still all hands on deck and we're still waiting for that guy to show up and, and just be the playmaker we think that they can be.
Another of your receivers who comes from the great state of Texas, you already mentioned Micah Simon, is Akile Davis, and we've seen his name pop up here. What's Akile's role on this team, and, and where does he fall on the depth chart? Yeah, he's you know he's down behind uh, Bowen and Jonah, and uh, and really Micah right now. You know, um, Akile, you know he's a strong physical kid, but he's he's still coming out of camp. Was a little raw on things, and. Uh, just uh, you know, got to sharpen up and continue to stay with it. And we get an injury or two, he'll he'll get his opportunity. But um, you know, we like Akile. He works hard. He, he does all the right things, but just feel like he's not as sharp as he needs to be in the the scheme of things sometimes. And and just continue to work and and uh, learn the offense and and stay with it. What do you say to a receiver that uh, as a quarterback saying? Dude, I'm open. Every play, I'm, I'm open. I'm open. What, what's that interaction like? Uh, it's okay if they are open every play. <laughs> it's when they're not open and they come back and tell you, hey, I was open, just throw it up. That's the worst thing a guy can tell a quarterback is just throw it up. I'll go get it. That means you're not open. That <laughs> you want the quarterback just to heave one out there and the guy's right there with you. So I always hated that as a quarterback that – Hey, just throw it up. I'll go get it. It's, you know, you want a guy coming and saying, "Hey, I'm open. I'm. They're playing me this technique. I got him beat on this route. You, you want that? You know, but they better be open because when the quarterback goes back and watches the film, and they're like, "He's never open. Why? I'm never gonna look his way because he always tells me he's open, but he's not." So counterproductive sometimes life behind the face mask right that's what it's about <laughs> yeah. uh coach great time as always right. we appreciate you i think it's safe to say uh disappointed but uh encouraged about what lies ahead yep go forward and uh just keep coaching them up and, and let's try to get better each week you got it thanks ty thank you all right ed lamb's going to join us on coordinators corner next as we take our next break we'll get inside the byu special teams the kicking game, Jonah Truneman return, what he saw there, and how BYU gets better defensively against a very good Wisconsin team. Stay with us. This is Coordinator's Corner on a bevy of platforms. You're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. You may have noticed I am not Greg Rebell. I am Spencer Linton sitting in for the radio voice of the Cougars. He is on assignment in Corvallis, Oregon, getting ready to call BYU Women's Soccer tonight as the ladies go for win number one. You can join Greg on the air, 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain Time, BYU and Oregon State. Now at Coordinator's Corner from JCW's in Provo, Utah, along with Ed Lamb, who is a man of many trades. In fact, Ed, we'll get to the football part, but I want to bring up the, the fact that you're, you're in a rock band. You can do all these different things. When does the Ed Lamb reality show start? Uh, all these different things, and the only example you had was rock band. Well, I can go. You can, <laughs> listen, you can sing. You can play instruments, man. Yeah. Uh, you're no, an outdoors I, guy. Like, you can do a lot of things. I, I miss I miss my rock band buddies in Cedar. And actually, we, you know, I don't, I'm not in a rock band anymore. I'm retired from that life. <laughs> I've matured. I'm past my midlife crisis. Oh, you got through that? <laughs> yeah. You got through that. Okay, well, here we are, game week, uh, just uh, a couple of days removed from a very, very hard-fought emotional rivalry loss to Utah. And I asked Ty Detmer this question, but where are you mentally and emotionally after a game like that at this point? Um, well, I, I'm, I'm disappointed. I think uh, I'll, I'll venture to speak for the whole team and the whole, whole coaching staff. There's, there's disappointment. There's, uh, there's sorrow. We um, we have to communicate with each other and motivate each other to use that frustration toward getting better this week. I mean, there there will be 
uh, another Saturday coming, and we will want to win that game against Wisconsin just as much as we wanted to win the game against Utah. So it's important that we take advantage of every day and every moment that we have to prepare correctly and think about the game and, and give each other the, the right, the correct messages that we need to hear. In the big picture, from what you can tell, you always want to get better week to week. Right now, how would you assess BYU's progression from week to week? Are you, are you getting better every week? I think uh, maybe still a little bit difficult to tell this early in the season. Um, um, no, no question that we're better in, in every phase and, and in every way, but relative to our opponents who also are getting better. I mean, getting better is, is the easy part. It's getting better relative to your opponents. Yeah. You know, we will be much better in Game 7 than LSU was in Game 1 and 2, right? I mean, that's just that's just football. Teams get much, much better as the season progresses. Guys get seasoned. Guys step into new roles. Coaches find players that, that we didn't know about before or hadn't evaluated correctly. We will be much, much better. But can we keep pace with our opponents? That's the challenge. That's what we're working for. What's your biggest concern right now as a coordinator and assistant head coach of this BYU football team? My biggest concern is uh, is mindset. You know, we're we're um, you know it, what you just described is is the mindset we want to have, which is which is growth. You know, uh, Carol Dweck has kind of been the the forefront leader of this growth mindset idea, and and uh, and our players are pretty familiar with that. Most college students are have done uh, at least some had some exposure to her ideas. We need to be growth mindset oriented in, in what we're doing. This is not about. Um, how good we were last week or how good we were two weeks ago. And it is definitely not about whether we're strong on offense or defense. You know, you, you look at last year and there are a lot of people asking questions like, geez, where's our offense? Our defense shows up every game. All of a sudden we have to outscore Toledo in the 50s 55 to, to win a game. To yeah. win that game. So teams match up just much, much differently. And and if we are, if, if, if in any way, our defensive players are feeling like that they've arrived and that we have, you know, we have all these all these answers and, and all these abilities and that, uh, you know, if, if just our offense will click in, we'll be just fine. No, that that's a, that's a mindset that's going to get us beat. How close, and, and I know this is a hard question to answer, but how close do you feel like you are as a team to turning the corner and really starting to see the results of all the hard work and the reps and all of that stuff and, and ultimately wins? Yeah, well, that, um, as a coach, that's that's really it's fairly simple in terms of knowing that you're close because any coach, any program I've been a part of, no matter how many wins and losses start to add up, it's still really easy for a trained coach who's been doing it for years to look at the video and find maybe six plays, maybe eight plays that could have completely changed the game. And our players, whether whether we're talking offense, defense, or special teams, they've done those things that need to change in six or eight plays. They've done those things hundreds of times before our eyes against other good competition. So it's it's just a matter of timing. Sometimes it's it's good fortune. Sometimes it's credit the opponent for, for rising to the occasion on those six or eight plays. But it's, it's always very close, and we're very close. Now, we hear people in certain part of the fan base say, just be patient, be patient. Other fans are like, I don't want to be patient. I want it to happen right now. Yeah. How, what's that mental game for you like as, as coaches where you're like, oh, I don't want, I don't want to be patient? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think uh, that, that's a great question because there's there are two different perspectives for that. When we talk about patience with the coaching staff, there's, there is no patience with the coaching staff. We have – um, it is our job to make BYU successful. BYU has too many resources, too much history, too much tradition. We all care about this place too much. And there are thousands of really competent coaches that can win at BYU. 
Whether we're that group or not, we have to prove, and we have to do that immediately. But the patience needs to be for the players and their performance and their growth. And, and our job here is to win games, but it's to win games through growing these players and making them better as people and as players. And we can never lose sight of the fact that no matter how they may have failed in week one or week two as individuals or collectively, it's all about next week for them, and it's all about next year for them, and it's all about their future. Why are you encouraged right now about where this team is and what lies ahead? I think that we have the requisite talent to be successful. I like the, the mindset of our head football coach who um, is intense, but he understands the big picture and where, we're, where we need to be with our, our football program. He's been very positive with our players and uh, very demanding with our coaches, and I think that's just a good spot to be in. And um, the, the most rewarding teams that I've been a part of as a coach are those that get better throughout the season. And, and that can really be, you know, that can be a championship season. That can be, that can be 10 plus wins. That can be an amazing season. And sometimes that, that's not necessarily an amazing season, but getting better week to week and finish the season on the high note. That's what's important. All right. Assistant head coach, special teams coordinator, Ed Lamb with us on coordinators corner. We're going to take a break here and continue uh, specifically with special teams and defensive talk next as BYU prepares for Wisconsin. Don't go anywhere. Coordinators corner continues live from Provo, Utah and JCWs. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Spencer Linton sitting in for Greg Rubel, who is ready to call BYU women's soccer tonight in Corvallis. This is Coordinators Corner with uh, the assistant head coach, Ed Lamb. And, Ed, I, you said give you something else besides rock band star. You're good. you're a good golfer. <laughs> okay. Fair. <laughs> Coming fair. Let's, thank let, you. let's thank go you. there. You're welcome. It okay. only took you, like, what, seven minutes to come up with a second talent. I am not executing at a high level. You're up 14 nothing at this point on next, me. Next break, I'll give you a hint. <laughs> my, my third talent. Okay, your third talent. <laughs> Fantastic. Can't wait for that. BYU special teams, uh, some good and some bad. Uh, let's start with the good. The kickoff return from Jonah Trineman is, I mean, a millimeter from going to the house and making it a 19-13 game early in the fourth quarter. Uh, what, what have, what, what's, I guess, what, why are you encouraged and what did you like most from your special teams play on Saturday? Uh, I, th- I got to start with the coverage units. Um, because uh, those, the, what those guys do just takes so much courage, and um, it takes a selfless attitude. You know, I, everybody gets geeked up about scoring a touchdown, and so the kickoff return team, the punt return team, they're always motivated, and uh, the opportunities aren't always there. But the coverage teams, uh, the coverage teams, there is an opportunity. We actually create an opportunity every time. We don't kick the ball in the end zone purposely. We don't want to give touchbacks. We offer no quarter. We take no quarter. You don't want to. You don't want the ball to be touched back. Absolutely wow. not. No. No. We, really? Yeah. We we average uh, last year and this year we average much greater starting field position than the 25 yard line. So we are not looking for any kind of truces before the game with the opponents on uh, kickoff, their kickoff return versus our kickoff coverage. Interesting mindset, yep. and let's stay on that angle yeah. a little bit. <laughs> so what what's what do you tell your kicker to do? Kick it high and have right. it land right around the goal line? That's right. We want four seconds of hang time. We want the ball to land between the goal line and the five-yard line, and we want the location near the numbers. Well, Braden Albacqui think that's a, thinks that's a fantastic idea because I think he's made like three or four big plays down right. right around the 11 to 15-yard right. line. Our, our motto is unblockable and be unblockable and get down there and, and enjoy that part of the game. And, uh, and and so consequently, when we face a team that uh, wants to kick it in the end zone, it's all about every, every single time we entered that uh, game as a kickoff return team, I said, eventually this kicker is going to miss kick it. 
and the kickoff team's not going to be ready. And if you guys are where you need to be, then we have a chance to break one. And that's what happened and, and on that's, Saturday. That's what happened, yeah. So so um, credit to those guys. Akile Davis is the one who, who kind of sets the whole return in terms of the start point, and then everybody else sets their alignment based on him and so he has to recognize the trajectory of the kick the hang time of the kick whether we're not going to whether or not we're going to bring it out he recognized it. he set it up correctly all of the other spacings were good and then jonah was able to find the gap so you're telling me it's not just see ball catch ball run ball <laughs> no, no, I, that can work sometimes you know we we led the kickoff uh we led the nation in kickoff return twice in in the time in, in years past that i've been a special teams coordinator and um you know, it was always a different return as our kind of our base return. It was really, it was really about the guys on the field, and so I think sometimes we could be a little more as coaches, a little more oriented with just catch the ball and run, block people. Yeah. Hashtag CCBYU to ask Ed Lamb questions, <laughs> more expertise on uh, see ball, catch ball, run ball. Yeah. Uh, some questions coming in uh, on social media about what BYU is trying to do, uh, I believe, with Corey Edwards um, when you had that high pooch kick yeah. that, that sailed out of bounds. Ideally, yeah. how does that play out if, if he executes that perfectly? Yeah, see, he just he needs to put it in play. And there was not we, – we didn't um, try to get him to pin it into the sideline or anything like that. It was just a, it was just a miss kick. Um, and uh, – you know he he knew it right away, and uh, we weren't uh, we weren't in any way trying to um, put the ball into open space and recover it. You know that that wouldn't have been realistic. They they were Utah was set up well, and there wasn't any spot on the field. So the idea was to get some field position, play defense. But what we did want to do is force the returner to catch the ball isolated and without any blockers around him, and then go and try to cause a fumble. There's you know, 2% of all kickoff returns end in a fumble. There's a lot of guys running full speed for 40-plus yards, and we wanted to put that kind of pressure on him, and we missed, we missed one opportunity to get some contact and maybe create a fumble. As you look ahead to Wisconsin, what uh, has your attention the most from what the Badgers will bring to Provo against BYU? Um, right now we take um, on, on Sunday – and Monday, we take a very cursory look at the opponent, and we have uh, we have support staff members who give us um, numbers, stats, and uh, show us a um, uh, basically a, like a top a top five would be a good word for it. You know, and, and we don't always stick to five, but say they're five defensively. We're looking at Wisconsin's five favorite pass concepts, five favorite run concepts, and then we show those to our players in a in a jog through type Monday practice without giving them any coaching about how we're going to play against wisconsin and our offense does does the same thing just kind of in a mirrored concept and so that that right now is the only thing that i know about them they they um they're a run-oriented team offensively they do a good job of getting the ball deep and mixing in their play action pass game and um and in the special teams i think a a lot of uh wisconsin their, their special teams are a lot like byu i think they have a fair percentage of their team that grows up wanting to be badgers and that's what byu is like and that's why it's 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 fairly easy to identify guys that want to to give their whole career to the special teams and to the coverage units and all that stuff at BYU and Wisconsin has that as well. So it'll be a great matchup that way. All right, Jeff at Jay Butler Wifan asks this question: What concerns you most about the kicking game, and how are those concerns being addressed? Um, I'm glad that question was asked. Um, you know, kickers kickers understand they're they're like quarterbacks, they're like coaches or, or head coaches, probably more aptly. If if the field goal is missed, it's it's on the kicker, and if it's made, it's you know the kicker the kicker's a hero, um, and and they understand that very well. But that that uh, kick by 
uh, writ was a, was a complete operation time, um, complete operation pro- operational problem from the snap to the hold to the kick. The snap was a little bit low. Um, the the hold was um, it was actually a good job of getting to the to the lower snap. It wasn't such a low snap that it hit the ground, so it's within our margin for error. Um, but uh, as the holder went down to get it, he just bobbled it and twisted it in a way that that the kicker would have had to make a, a good adjustment. So. So all three of those guys kind of share what we talked about is just just share a third in that in that blame and they know that they don't need me to tell them that uh, the first guys to visit and huddle up over on the sidelines are always the snapper, the holding the kicker and hey what happened and oh yeah I, you know I could have got that one up a little bit faster and that kind of stuff and um, but yeah all three of those guys have got to get better so yeah my my biggest concern I think the question alludes to it uh, we've got to execute in the red zone with points and uh, when the field goal team is called on to make sure that it's three points and we don't have an opportunity necessarily for for six or, or a seventh point we've got to make sure that we get those three points I asked Elisa Tuiaki this last week um, but I'm interested to get your take on the whole idea of wow the defense is really showing up but the offense is struggling and that could create some divisive issues in the yeah. team and how do you address that as a coaching staff? That's exactly what we do. We address that. That's how young people think, um, and, and that's how fans think. And, and sometimes as young coaches, you know, coaches can start to think like that. But, you know, if, if I've been coaching, I, somewhere along the line I became the oldest coach in the room, you know. And, and like, I was forever like a young coach. You know, I was, I was the youngest head coach in, in uh, FCS football when I was hired. And that just seems like yesterday, you know. And, and uh, but now now I'm an old coach, and sometimes coaches will say, you know, they want they want advice from me. So yeah, I'll I'll play the sage for a minute and and just say that like w- when you're a young coach, sometimes you're so focused on your position group, and if the numbers and the stats seem right, then it, you seem really positive, and you're positive about everything. And if they're not so good, then you're, you're really down about things. But the reality is, I've never been on a team, I've never coached a team, I've never seen a team that was consistently good in on one side of the ball throughout a season. And you can take the New England Patriots on offense last year in their Super Bowl year, shut out in week four, put a zero on the board. And you can take the University of Alabama and then how great their defense was a year ago, and there were several games where they were given up in the 30s and, and the 40s, and that's just, that's just how football goes. So if you start thinking that way, it's a trap, and the football gods will slap you down. The old man, Ed Lamb, speaking words <laughs> of wisdom. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. You talk about one play here, one play there, the difference between great teams and average teams. How do you coach your guys to, in the moment, you know, come through? That's you, as a coach, you have to trust that they'll go out and do that. Yeah. I think one of the, one of the most important things to do is to give credit to the opponent and um, so that uh, the, 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 the message to our players is, um, number one, that, that we're playing good opponents that are also striving to make those six or eight plays that make the difference in a game. But, uh, but number two, um, the, we show confidence in our players that if, if we can make those six or eight plays, if we can point those out, if we can talk about the corrections that need to be made and be more consistent in our plays so that we're prepared to make those six or eight plays, I think that that's the, that's the confident message they need from us. I think that's the way to address it is to give the credit when we, when we don't make the plays to the opponent and to give the credit to our guys consistently, whether it's practice or games, when they make those big plays and big moments. Where do you feel like BYU matches up well with Wisconsin this week? Strength, uh, Wisconsin strength is strength, and if you don't have if you don't have physical strength and size, stature, if you're not stout in the line of scrimmage, then there, you have no chance against those against those guys. And um, you know traditionally they have just rolled over teams that don't have the size and strength. And 
um, defensively and even even offensively. You can you can gimmick and trick and try to get the ball out into space, blitz, slant gaps, and do all that stuff and hang around for a little while. But to beat the the truly physical teams in America, you have to be physical, and I think our team is physical and strong. All right, we'll take a break, and uh, Coach, while we're in the break, I want you to think about this. What kind of an impact can a home crowd really have on a game? And if so, what kind of impact did you notice on Saturday night? Think about that. We'll come back with more from Coordinator's Corner at JCW's in Provo, Utah. Ed Lamb, at how old are you, like 30 years? 30 years young? (laughs) We'll go with that. All right, 30 years young, Ed Lamb, coming back with more from JCW's in Provo. You're tuned into the Coordinator's Corner, live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's head back to JCW's in Provo and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Spencer Linton in for the radio voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, here with Ed Lamb, the coordinator special. I mean, he does a little bit of everything. The jack of all trades, both as a coach and off the field. I asked you a question before the break, Coach, about the impact that a home field can have on a game. Now, from my perspective, I felt like the fans and the crowd made a difference to help BYU on Saturday night, but I'm interested to get your take. How, how much of an impact can the fan base have in a game like that? I think it's huge. Our, our, um, our players all chose BYU in part for the tradition, for the, the home game atmosphere, uh, for the number of people that care about what we're doing. It's a pressure that we um, we take very seriously. It's a, the, When you talk about the legacy of BYU, it's a stewardship that we take very seriously as players and, and as coaches, and we love to see the stadium full and we love to see um we love to see the stadium happy the student section happy and all the sections of the stadium we love to see them celebrate and do our best to try to make it a positive experience for everybody from your overlying position as a coach and i know we don't have the offensive line coach mike empey here to to talk about things or the defensive line coach elisa tuiaki but in the trenches how do you feel like byu is performing right now uh, well, the, the easy answer is unacceptably. We, we, we have to win. We're, our job is to, to help these players be successful, and success is defined by victory. And, um, you know, from, from week to week, we have an, a new opportunity and a new job. And so we're, we're not you know, in, in any way uh, sitting around the office kicking each other in the face uh, as coaches. You know, <laughs> that's not what it's about. We have, a, we have a new task and a new job, and we need to be positive, and we need to bring energy on a daily basis to make each other better. But since you asked the question, I'll answer very honestly. It's unacceptable. How do you get better? I mean, like, if it's unacceptable right now, how do you get to a point where you're like, okay, that, that is acceptable? Is that strictly just winning? It's, um, oh, yeah, yeah, the final analysis. Just winning. Yeah, but the final, the, the job is to win. And that's, that's the job. It, 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 it's like this. Um, for a professor on campus, they, they don't have credibility until they're published, and they need to be well-reviewed in their publication. And uh, the, the credibility for a football coach is to win. And we can sell all the all the great positive messages about building character and and uh, lifelong values learned through football. But if the coach isn't winning, those those messages fall on deaf ears. We we have to win. We must win. It's our job. Would you say right now you are more frustrated or motivated at this point in the week? I'm not really like frustration oriented. I'm I'm not. Um, you know, if, if you ask me if I'm frustrated, I say yes. But when you compare those those two things in your question, I'm, I'm completely motivated. It's to me, it takes nothing more after a loss than a shower 
and uh, I'm thinking about the next opponent. And if it's the last game of the year, I'm thinking about the next year. There's just there's too much at stake with these players. We have too much of a responsibility to help them be as successful as we can be to worry about what we may have uh, how we may have failed them in in the week before. You know, we have to we have to assess what went wrong. We have to address that, but it has to be um, it has to be a positive, forward-looking approach every week. I'm surprised it took this long for a question to come in about Mo Longy, but now somebody asking what what about the progression this uh, from at. BYU, excuse me, at Mr. IEM Liang. Why don't we use Mo Long to stop the run or use him as a running back? Oh, yeah, yeah, um, great, great question. We will, we will when Mo's, when Mo's ready. Mo's still learning the game. Mo's, Mo had his best game on the, in the field goal protection, and uh, he, he's come a long, long way with that. Um, you know, we have, uh, we have open practices, and I think sometimes those questions are best served for the players. You know, it, it, it's hard for the coach to sit here and pontificate on the radio about, Mo, Long, Mo Longy's unreadiness to stop the run, um, but uh, you know our players—they're very—they're very honest and they—they they understand the things that they're working on to get better. And I would say anybody who has questions like that ought to contact the athletic department and ask if they can come to practice and ask the question of the player. <laughs> Just throw it out there, right? Yeah. Hey, you, hey, you ask him. Yeah, I mean, if there's you know the the uh, the, the coaches, the coaches watch dozens, hundreds of hours of of uh, of practice tape and evaluate these players we compare each one of them has a comparison and a grade in their 40 time in their l drill and their vertical jump and their overall strength in their technique uh, in their alignment awareness and so you know just to sit here and and uh, give give all those comparisons uh, that's not fair to a player but there's not a player on our team that wouldn't be very honest with a fan about uh, you know what they need to do to get better and get on the field and Mo's humble, and Mo has a great future, and we love we love working with him. I know you love your job. That uh, emanates on camera. We appreciate the time, Ed. Thank you. Good luck against Wisconsin. Jack of all trades. Not an old man. That's all jokes, okay? <laughs> yeah. Very young and ready to go. Good luck against Wisconsin, Coach. Thank you very that much. That takes care of Coordinator's Corner. Glad to have you with us from JCW's and Pro Bowl. We'll see you next time.